Tobacco is often regarded as a bearer of disease and addiction. However, during the first colonizations of North America, tobacco saved these colonies from demise. If you want to find out how, tune in. Welcome to Eclectic History. Today we're talking about trade, and specifically, cash crops. Now to find out how tobacco became a prominent player in the colonization of the Americas, we have to travel back to 1607. In 1607, a small group of about 100 settlers landed at what is now modern-day Virginia. These colonists, sent by the Virginia Company of London, were on a mission to set up the first permanent English settlement in the Americas. Spain and Portugal had already gotten a head start in the colonization of South America, and due to their great success and monetary gains, England wanted to join in. When they landed on the shores of Virginia, they had to search for a suitable place to settle. Everywhere they went, it seemed that natives had already settled the region, and they weren't going to let go of their land very easily. They finally found a piece of land that was, in their eyes, perfect. It was surrounded by water on three sides, making it easy for them to dock boats and protect themselves from an oncoming attack. In addition, there were no natives living on the plot of land, which in hindsight should have been a warning to the colonists. The reason why the natives didn't inhabit the land was because it was unsuitable for a settlement in every sense. The water was brackish and full of disease and parasites. The land and soil itself was hopelessly marshy, and thus made it near impossible to grow anything. Lastly, pests, like mosquitoes, ravaged the peninsula because of all the stagnant water nearby. The people of the newly founded Jamestown weren't for a real hardship. Their life didn't get much easier. The settlers realized that they had arrived too late in the year for them to plant anything and get a harvest. This combined with the fact that a large portion of the colonists were wealthy men, not used to hard labor, led to a huge deficit in food for the settlers. By the time a second shipment of people and supplies arrived, two-thirds of the colonists had died, mostly due to disease and starvation. The first real turnaround for the colony was the election of Jamestown's newest president, John Smith. He whipped the colony back into shape by forcing all able-bodied men to work, even if they didn't want to. His motto was that if they didn't work, they didn't get to eat. Unfortunately, Smith was sent back to England due to an injury. This led to Jamestown going back to its old ways, and with dire consequences. From 1609 to 1610, a period known as the Starving Time occurred. The supply ship sent to Jamestown had run aground in Bermuda, and the building of a new ship proved a very lengthy task. Meanwhile, in Jamestown, nearly all of the settled colonists starved to death from lack of supplies and food. Only 60 of the original 214 settlers survived this starving time. It looked to be that the colony would become another failure, just like Popham and Roanoke, if it weren't for a newly arrived colonist. John Rolfe, who had arrived during the third shipment of food and settlers, had brought a new form of tobacco from Bermuda. He found that tobacco grew really well in the soil, and after harvesting it, found it was much more addictive than was what was usually smoked in England. It exploded in popularity, and while the King of England was against the selling of this more addictive tobacco at first, he knew that in order to keep the colony alive, he had to leave John Rolfe alone. Rolfe became enormously wealthy due to sales of his product, and soon, nearly all of those in Jamestown used their allotted amount of land for growing tobacco. This success in growing cash crops like tobacco and later indigo and cotton paved the way for further interest and colonization of North America. If Jamestown had failed like many other colonies before, it may have been that the European countries would have mostly left North America alone and thus focused more on South America. 
So, while tobacco is seen as an unhealthy and harmful product today, much of what we see today in the Americas is due in part to the cultivation and trade of tobacco and other cash crops. As the Americas became more populated by settlers, colonists became more and more innovative in what they grew in order to gain a major profit. During the early 1700s, a new cash crop was becoming a familiar sight by farmers, indigo. This plant, when processed, produced a dark blue dye that could be used in clothing. While the trouble for blue clothes? Blue was the color of aristocracy and royalty due to the fact that most blue dye was extracted from the shell of a Mediterranean mussel. Due to overfishing, the species almost went extinct. By growing indigo, farmers could suddenly grow rich overnight due to high demand for the deep hue of blue. This craze for cash crops like indigo and tobacco led to a new phenomena in the Americas, plantations. In Europe, where land was owned by a select few, it was unheard of to try and use vast swaths of land for producing blue dye and cigarettes. Many were more concerned about feeding themselves than getting rich quick. However, in the Americas, where land was pretty much everywhere, the idea of farmers using chunks of land for cash crops led to huge monetary gains. Crops that were once luxury to grow grew to their labor intensives needed for huge chunks of land could suddenly be quickly and realistically grown. The growth of plantations and cash crops led to another, darker, addition to farming in the New World, slavery. Cash crops like cotton, sugar, and indigo were hugely labor-intensive, needing not only a lot of work to farm the plants, but a back-breaking amount of work to harvest and process the goods. Take cotton, for example. It needs plowing first, then fertilizing and regular watering. However, the real task is picking and cleaning the cotton. The puffs of cotton were surrounded by a bunch of dry leaves and sticks. Once picked, these pieces of debris needed to be removed. Next, inside the cotton is one or more seeds. It takes quite a bit of work to get the seeds, sticks, and bits of dry leaves out. That offer a piece of raw cotton no bigger than half a cotton ball. For indigo, it was also tedious. In order to extract the dye, one had to take the plants, submerge it underwater, and let, the s and let it sit for a few days in order to let it ferment and release its dyes. Then, the liquid was drained into another container in which the liquid sat until the tiny particulate sealed at the bottom, and then the liquid was poured off. This was repeated multiple times, justifying why not many did the cultivation of indigo without slave labor. Once the dark blue liquid was finally finished, it sat out until all the liquid evaporated, leaving out just a powdery blue dye, which was then compacted into tiny bars and sold for a very high profit. While it was deplorable, there's no wonder why slavery was used back then. Lastly, cash crops were cultivated for unusual reasons. For example, sugar plantations were an extremely common sight in South America and the Caribbean islands. Slave labor was used in and out to harvest the huge sugar cane, which was near impossible to grow in Europe. The reason why, actually, for the most part, wasn't for table sugar. Sure, a lot was used for baking and preserves, but a lot of the sugar harvested from the sugarcane was made into molasses. Why? When fermented, molasses produced rum, which was much more profitable than plain old sugar was. This is because alcohol keeps for extraordinarily long times without going bad. This paired with the fact that it was, well, booze, led to a surge in the growth of cultivation of sugar in the Americas. We've seen how the introduction of cash crops in America shaped the history and outcome of the Americas we know today. We've seen how tobacco saved Jamestown from ruin and thus kept European interest in North America. We saw how indigo was used to make blue clothing no longer an exclusive royal luxury.
We even saw how cash crops paved the way for the widespread use of plantations and slavery in the Americas. Lastly, we saw how cash crops were harvested not only for what seemed obvious, but what was more simpler to make, and used to make the most profitable product possible, along with the help of long storage time during the month-long journeys across the Atlantic. All in all, we've seen that the economy was a key factor in determining how successful colonization was to be in the New World, and that without cash crops like tobacco, history may have been very different. If you like this podcast, please subscribe for more and follow me on Twitter. I'd really appreciate feedback on what you like and dislike about the podcast, so feel free to talk to me on these social media sites. Thank you for listening.